0: All right, we have two more episodes of this High School Coach series, which I'm so excited about, sponsored by V.02. You all know I am a huge fan of V.02. I use it for my own coaching, and they are supporting all these coaching series we're doing. We are so fortunate to have them on board. They are such big supporters of coaches and the running community. And if you don't know, O. Two is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary physiologist and coach Dr. Jack Daniels. If you are a coach, you can go to v.o2.com and use the code Lindsay to get 20% off your annual subscription. Lots of high school coaches use this platform too, and it not only simplifies coaching, but it also elevates your coaching. If you want to sign up for a demo, email info at doto2.com and you can talk to a team member and learn more about what they are doing. I program all of the athletes I coach on V.02, 2 and I'm a huge, huge fan. All right, so today's episode with the high school coach is with Lisa Taylor. So excited about this one. Lisa's husband nominated her for this interview. I put out a form and had people fill out nominations and this was one of my favorites and I was so excited to have Lisa agree to come on the show Her husband Dave shared with me all the ways that she's an amazing coach. She's made a huge difference in the lives of so many kids over the past 30 years. Lisa coached the 2008 state championship team and she also coached the runner-up teams in 2004, 2010, 2014, 2019, and 2020. She's coached 41 individual all-state runners, 16 regional championships, 20 big North Conference championships, and 13 times Coach of the Year nominations from the Michigan Intercollegiate Track Coaches Association, Division I Coach of the Year in 2008, 17 top 10 Division I State Finals finishers, and 12 top four Division I State Finals finishers. Okay, lots, lots here. She also just retired as the Executive Director of the Traverse City Track Club, Michigan's biggest running club, and back in her day, She was a high school state champion in cross country and the track in the 3200 in 1979 and 1980. All right, so here's the deal. The things you will hear Lisa talk about that are most important to her as a coach have nothing to do with how fast these kids are running or what schools they will go to. It has everything to do with, are these kids having fun? Is this a good team environment? How can I help these kids become leaders? how can I be someone they can count on, they can trust? And if I was raising a young girl right now, I would love for them to have a coach like Lisa Taylor. This was such a great conversation and I learned a lot from Lisa and she'll tell you in this episode, she's learned a lot in the past 30 years of coaching. I love that she says like the things that she does now are a little bit different than the things she used to do and what she's learned along the way. And I think that you guys are all gonna enjoy this conversation. Um, Again, go to v.o2.com to learn more about our sponsor of this episode and this series. So excited to have them on board. If you're loving the series, send this episode along to a cross country or a track coach or any high school coach that you know, who might be able to learn a little bit from Lisa. And you could leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes. That's a huge help for uh, helping grow the podcast. We've got one more coaching series episode coming up, and I am super excited to share that with you next week. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Lisa Taylor. All right, friends, I am so excited to bring you another episode of the High School Coaching Series, and today we have Lisa Taylor on the show. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Lindsay. So Lisa coaches at Traverse City Central High School, and you've been the coach there since 1994. Wow, that's incredible.
1: Yes, 30 years, 30th season, pretty excited.
0: So let's get started with talking about how you even got involved in coaching way back in 1994.
1: So I was a uh, typical pathway to coaching. I was a high school runner and a college runner. And then um, in my first job, I went to work at a small college, a Division III college, and my title was Assistant Athletic Director. But along with that, since I had been a runner in college, they said, well, why don't you coach too? So then um, I started coaching cross-country and track men and women at the college level, and that was in 1984. And then from then on, it's just been wherever I go, hey, you were a coach there and you should be a coach here. And it seems like there's just always a huge need for good coaches. And so whenever the opportunity presented itself, um, I, I, I did like the middle school level, I did really young kids, and then starting in um, 91 was my, no, actually 89 was my first high school experience. And then everything kind of went from there. Um, and 94 was the, the same high school, and I've been in that same program for 30 years now.
0: Wow. Okay, what keeps a coach at a program for so long? How
1: do you do that without burning out? I think probably the biggest key is that you always have a willingness, willingness to learn new things, um, a really important message that I heard early on is that if you're a coach and you think you have learned everything you need to learn and you know it all and you've you've made it, then that's about the time you should stop coaching because there's always <laughs> something new to learn, and there's there are new ways to grow as a coach.
0: oh totally, that's so true and over the thirty years that you've been at this one school, you know you could look back and say. Lisa, 30 years ago, what would you tell that brand new coach? Um,
1: I would, I would probably say the most important thing is to earn their trust, you know, work hard to earn, earn their trust by being kind and supportive and, um, energetic that I think that would do it because, um, I think the hardest Bear, barrier for a young person is, especially these days, is learning to trust the adults that are, are teaching them their sport. So that I would start with earn their trust.
0: And how do you do that?
1: Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about this um, the other day because I saw a comparison sheet of how uh, different generations think about different things. And one of the things that I was surprised to see is that trust is really hard for today's generation of kids that I'm coaching. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? How do I earn their trust? Because I I always feel like I have it. And I think that the key is as often as possible, try to let them feel like you want to develop a unique relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And that they're not just you know, one of a big group of people, because I have like 30 kids on my team most years. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just take a moment every day and go up to one of the kids, ask them a question about how they're doing, look them in the eye, you know, compliment them. Um, I I think, you know, one-on-one, that's the way to do it. And then with a team, one of the things that I have always tried to do is to remind them of how awesome it is that they are there. You know, it's seven 30 in the morning, it's summer. They live in a tourist town with freshwater lakes right outside their front door, but they got up and they came to cross country practice and they worked hard and they sweat and they, for two hours while most of their, Friends are in bed. They just did some really amazing things to take care of themselves and to to meet each other and to grow from each other. So I think that that has really helped them to trust me to know that I'm I'm glad they're there for reasons other than being fast runners. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. a much bigger than that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up each individual person. And as you were saying that, I thought about my own relationship with my kids, like my kids, I have four kids. And I thought, man, Lindsay, do you do that every day to all four of them? Because, you know, (laughs) it's really challenging. And you see the effects of when you are not giving a certain amount of attention to, you know, the kids in the middle or whoever it is. And I can't even imagine coaching a team of 30 kids how some might not slip through those cracks, especially if you have a kid that's not super extroverted and, and like right in the middle of attention and all that, like, how do you make sure you aren't missing somebody?
1: You know, um, I would say probably I am very comfortable. If you have um, communication skills and good social skills as a coach, that will really be to your benefit because um, you're the one who has to be the icebreaker. It's pretty rare that a kid is going to have a strong enough personality that they're going to come in and go, hey, everybody, I'm glad to meet you. My name is, (laughs) you have to like really pull stuff out of them. And so um, to have that personality trait that you like to talk to people and that you you, you remember their name or that you you notice what kind of shoes they're, they're wearing or that maybe they got, mm. like, a new pair of shorts or just little teeny things, it really goes a long way for, for them to think that, oh, my gosh, she's really thinking about me. And, you know, I think it just builds their self-esteem. And to some extent, I think it even teaches them better communication skills on their own it's like totally gonna yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna model that behavior so yeah I think communication skills are are so important and I that has always been an advantage for me um just always being a social person and a little bit of a a person who likes to get in front of people and make them laugh uh you know I feel like as much as I can I try to make every day that I'm with the kids a bit of a performance. And it's usually mm. slanted toward slanted toward comedy. <laughs> and um, so that, you know, I, I think that really helps them to identify with me, even though I'm, in most cases, well, I'm 61. So they're teenagers, I'm a lot older than them. And I just try to let my energy come through, and my interest in them come through. And so any coach that struggles with communication, um, that's a big barrier to get through. So if you can really work on that, I think it's a good idea.
0: I, I love that so much. And I wonder how much of that is ingrained in just like who you are and who somebody is. And then there are those people that have to work a little bit harder to, to do that. And I always say like, my mother-in-law, what I loved about her so much was that she always knew what questions to ask. She mm-hmm. always made you feel special because she asked you questions about the people who were important in your life and the things that she knew about that were important in your life. And so, um, yeah, I think sometimes we forget to do that. I always, I try to remind my kids, too. I'm like, hey, don't forget to ask them how their day went or how their camp went or, you know, cause you can practice that even as a 10 year old. Um, but some of it might be ingrained and some of it might have to be a little more taught. Right. Ingrained might yeah. not be the right word, but um, more f- first nature or whatever.
1: Second nature. Yeah. And I think kind of tied to that is if you, I think any great coach, most great coaches will, they won't be at the top of their game for very long if their ego is too big Mm. and if you are willing to to always be the giver you know the one who asks the questions and you know it partly just recognizing your role your role in the educational process as a coach is to teach them things and it's easy to teach them about running and training and all that, you know, the physical side of things. But the the bigger life things that you can teach them um, as a coach, that's your role. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, here, here's a good story. Yeah. I had a girl, um, I had a girl probably 20 years ago. And have you ever heard of the phrase um, <laughs> RBF? resting bitch face <laughs> yes <laughs> I had a girl on my sorry team. if anybody has kids in their car sorry yeah she had a she had an rbf and <laughs> I remember pulling her aside and saying I don't know how to say this I know you I love you you are funny you are hilarious but are you aware that you look like <laughs> you are just mad all the time. And, and she just kind of laughed and she goes, I have been told that by my mom so many times. Yes, I know what you mean. And she started working on it and she just became a smiley person. And oh my I think gosh. about how, yeah, I know. I think about how that helped her in her adult life. Because um, mm. we, we all know that people smile when you smile you feel good and it makes other people feel good. And so that was another story. And then another, another thing I remember teaching a girl probably like 10 years ago is she wouldn't look you in the eye. And again, when I commented on it, I go, you know, you're awesome. And I just really have appreciated you on this team. And I'm going to tell you something that I think is going to really help you later on in life you never look me in the eye look me in the eye and 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 she started working on it and it was like it was like her personality just changed and so it's you know little things like that we teach them a lot more than about running it's big stuff like
0: yeah how do you n- decide like um will this be well received like is this something i need to broach or like could this hurt our relationship? Like, cause I, the one where the, the little girl had, you know, wasn't smiling or, you know, yeah. looked mad all the time. Like, did you worry that that might make her mad?
1: Well, that's a really, that's a good technical question because you have to, you have to already know, like it, like the example with the smile, you have to already know that that person really is happy and really is Uh, not mad. And before you can jump in and say something like that. So yeah, you know, I kind of skipped a few steps in between. But yeah, those are all relationships that that I had, um, you know, already developed and just felt like it was my role to give them a little extra tip that could get them maybe ahead in life someday. So yeah, that's, that is important. I wouldn't just go up to somebody. I would not recommend going up to somebody and <laughs> just going at them with that thing the first time you meet them. But yeah, that's, that's a good thing to point out.
0: Also it's female to female because I feel like I've heard people like raging about like when men tell women to smile and it's like, well, this is a different, this is a different case scenario here.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, it's you know, the whole um, women coaching girls and that that that's another podcast, I think. But yeah, no, it, I want to
0: talk about it, that, actually. That's yeah. like, definitely okay. another talking point. Because, you know, the other the episode we put out, actually, it went out yesterday. But you know, this will be a week later, was all about female coaches, and the importance of having female coaches coaching young women and, you know, these are the women from Wildwood running and they said, full stop, you you need to have a a female on your staff, no matter what, even if the head coach is a male. And I'm curious what your
1: thoughts are on that. I think that just having a male on the staff is not necessarily um, a requirement. It's, it's having sort of a modern thinking male on the staff. Mm. I mean, it's, it's mm. there's a big difference between a traditional thinking um, coach and and someone who is, like, keeping up with the times and paying attention to what teenagers are feeling um, because, you know, there are even women coaches who can act like, you know, traditional, traditional people that have old ideas. I think it's all about... It's all about um, staying up with the times and being aware of the social issues that are going on and, you know, doing a lot of extra work on the side to really, um, you know, see what's going on. Like, I mean, I'm a really avid reader of other people's work that will help me be a better coach. And, um, you know, when when I read Good for a Girl the, mm. you know, you've seen, we've, we've all heard of that Lord. book, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren um, Fleshman's book. Right. I, I was just, basically, I was just kind of reading about myself and my own experience. And mm. I had a, 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 another male coach, a, a male coach who read the same book and what he took away from it was so much different than what I took away from it. And so, um, it just, you know, trying to stay on top of, um, I guess, the popular culture and what mm-hmm. people are thinking is it, it will really help you be a better, cult, better coach, you know, to not just be stuck in your own world of running, but to pay attention to the bigger picture and what's going on in people's minds, especially the teenagers that we're working with. Um, I will say, though, that in 30 years of coaching teenage girls, I am happy to say I'm excited to say that at least as far as cross-country runners go they have not changed at all in 30 years Mm -hmm. they're just I'm partial, but they're just the coolest kids ever and there's so many things about kids who who gravitate toward the sport of cross-country that makes it such a great Great thing to coach. It's just so different than so many other things. I'm I'm just blessed to, to be coaching this sport. And I, you know, one of the things that I I want to share with your audience is if you know a teenager who's never done sports, who's somewhat active and is looking for uh, a group to join that will benefit them in ways far beyond being competitive have them join their high school cross-country team because there are no cuts, there's no tryouts, everybody's welcome. Um, It doesn't matter if you have a disability, you're welcome. And I see that everywhere I go, all across the country. That is the way cross-country coaches think. They want everyone to have that opportunity and it's a gateway to a lifetime of running.
0: I mean, wow, best sport in the world, seriously. If that's not a testament to what what you do and what every coach, I mean, I almost have tears in my eyes, honestly, as you said that because it's so true. Yes, we all know
1: it. I know, and I, you know, like I, I swear, I'll I'll be on the street and I'll meet somebody, and they have a ninth grade kid who isn't doing anything. I'll Mm -hmm. say, "Go out for my team. Go out for my team." And I have so many incredible stories of these. Last-second recruits that came mm. out and became just so uh, instrumental in our team success, and you know, even kids who who became like elite runners who you know just worked their way up to that after they got out of high school. There's that you just never know who is going to be an amazing teammate or an amazing athlete when you're talking about the sport of cross country. Cause we all know, um, cross country runners are made. Sprinters are born, you know, mm. that you don't have to have talent to be a cross country runner. You just have to want to work hard and be there every day.
0: And it's so different from track and field. I, I joined my high school cross country team my sophomore year Um, and only because my best friend was running track our freshman year and she had done cross country and she said, you know, pretty much twisted my arm to join the track team. And then, um, Mm -hmm. the distance coach was like, yeah, you basically, she was like, you have to join the cross country team. (laughs) And I mean, I just like, I can't imagine how different my life would have panned out. Had I not done that for so many reasons, like I don't even know if I'd be doing this job right now. You know, I know it's like right. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I'm, it's a special you know, group. I'm, yes, and so I, I really, I mean, I, I can't say enough about kids recruiting each other. Yeah, you mentioned that, that that's how it worked for you. Kids recruiting their friends who are doing nothing are. I mean, to bring their friends with them and then to share kind of like the magic of their friendship with the rest of the group
0: really mm-hmm. has
1: a positive impact on a group of girls. And, and well, and boys too. But I see it more because I coach girls. Yeah. But it's just, uh, I just had an experience. Our our season has just begun this week. And at the start of the week, uh, I said, you guys, we, we have 23 girls on the team. I want 30 go out and recruit your friends. And we have thirty on our team now and they are the oh friends gosh. of these kids. And one of you know, a couple of them have showed up and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have <laughs> a runner here. We have a runner here. And so it's just um it's a great place for kids. I just love it.
0: Okay. And, you know, I know we are focusing a lot of this conversation on every person on the team is equally as important. But I am super curious when you see that glimpse of both talent and hard work and you think, "Oh, hmm, this this person is new to this, but I could see like them, you know, running in the state championship and like going far, like how do you safely and positively encourage the development of that athlete?"
1: So, if you would have asked me that 30 years ago, I would have had a completely different answer and I think hmm. um with with age comes wisdom and so I'm going to focus on what I do now because uh, I have had some some real elite athletes through our program and um you know quite a, quite a few of them what I have learned is that if they're talented and they do well early on just kind of keep it on the down low and don't be, don't be that one in their life who is going to become their source of pressure. You want for, their, you want for their, their sport to become their place of peace. And so I think probably the best advice I could give is if you have a star, treat that star just like everybody else. Let them feel like everybody else because there are going to be so many pressures in their world from people around them, um, that you don't need to be another one of those sources of pressure, and I, you know, I think I think that's worked out really well for for us over the years. And um, in in the sport, we as coaches will often watch uh, very young girls, like ninth grade girls, do really well in their freshman year, and then you you won't see them progress as as you would hope and I think one of the reasons that that it doesn't pan out for them is because they just they just don't want that pressure and Mm. you know there is the rare there is the rare athlete who's like bring it on you know I know I want to learn everything about this sport this is my goal I'm going here I'm going there this is you know this is my idea and you're going to help me get there you know that that is so rare but for the most part you if you can teach them to enjoy running and to have their team and their time together be a relaxing and peaceful and energizing time they're they're going to do well.
0: Okay, that's amazing. I love that so much. And I'm curious like how competitive are you? Because you've you've gone really far. I mean, you've won a state championship with your team. You've had 41 individual All-State runners. You've had a lot of success. So mm-hmm. holding that front and center, how do you also, like what are your pep talks like, I guess is a the question.
1: They're always funny. Um, <laughs> I, they're always short because there's an attention span issue with teenagers. You know, I think um, probably that's my strength But one of the things we've had fun with lately, and now the kids can do it themselves, is when we want to make a point, we pretend we're doing a TED Talk. And so, do you know what I mean when I say it's a TED Talk kind of thing? There's just like... TED Talk people are all kind of really similar, you know. They walk up and they might have their hands clasped together, uh-huh. and they open up with a really a really big statement or really, uh, you know, shocking statement. Um, that that's kind of the the approach that I take is I try to make it entertainment for them, and um, I usually try to involve them and get them to be a part of what I'm trying to point out, you know, and especially I'll, I'll grab the seniors and I'll say, can you help me? Um, Cause I know you've learned this. Can you maybe explain it in terms that mean more to teenagers? And then they'll uh. just kind of stand up there and take over. And, um, today we had a, a little lesson from one of the girls in, um, I like kids to move really quickly from one place to the next. Like if we're moving over to do our stretches, I want them to like jog over there. Uh-huh. And so this girl last year came out for the first year as a junior. And she um, she just had a huge personality. And she developed something for a team called On the Jog. So if you hear someone say On the Jog, you are moving fast. And if it has to be spoken to you directly... On the jog, it means you're not moving fast enough. So today in practice, I had her, um, I said, I want to talk a little bit about time management. And to, uh, to help you understand it better in the team context, we're going to have Lucy come up here and give her TED Talk about on the jog. And so she stood up there and it was like, I was watching a TED Talk, a really good one. And um, the rest of the group were like, oh my gosh, I know what she means. And I can tell that her doing it is going to have a lot more impact than me doing it.
0: I mean, talk about helping her develop leadership skills too. That is such a cool thing that you like sought that out. Like, okay, I see this this kid could be a leader in this way
1: and how much ownership she can take on that. Like that's so cool. Right. Yep. Yeah, and she's a huge personality. She's definitely not the fastest runner on our team. Um, She knows it, and she knows that she has a lot to give to our team with the skills that she has outside of running. That's a really important um, ingredient for Mm -hmm. having a successful team. And I think that's kind of the question you you asked me leading into this one is, um, you know, how, how do you have a successful team? And I think it's a lot less about the training and a lot more about building a team, having a team. Um, I was a huge fan of Ted Lasso, and Mm. I just Mm -hmm. really identified with that whole approach to coaching. Um, And he also, you know, the coach in that program also did something that I try to do, and um, I read a book Real early on, probably 20 years ago, I think the timing was um, right after the the um, U.S. women's soccer team won the Olympic gold in '96 and then the '99 World Cup championship. The mm-hmm. coach, along with Colleen Hacker, who um, that's a big name right now too, um, in in um, books about running and, and women in particular, they wrote a book called catch them being good. And it's, it's everything you need to know to successfully coach girls. And before every season begins, I reread the book. And, um, I would say that that was a game changer for me because, you know, I didn't like feeling like I was always telling them how they were doing it wrong. And when you can tell them what they did that was right, it goes so far in not only developing their trust in, in you, but, but just, you know, making them feel good about what they're doing. So catch them being good. I recommend it. <laughs> also, more good parenting advice right there. Oh, I know. Oh, yes. Yes. I've, yeah, definitely. Um you know, and the parents in my program, I always tell them your only job is to love them and feed them and have them do their homework. Yeah. And and when they get that, their job is easy and they can really focus on being parents and they don't have to worry about putting any pressure on their kids in um in their sport. Yeah. Catch them being good. Oh, I need yeah. to do that more. That's so good. It's by, uh, Tony DeSeco and Colleen Hacker. There you okay, go. Okay.
0: That book will be in the show notes, friends. If you are uh, subscribed to our mailing list, it'll get delivered to your email. Um, wow. So, so one of the, you know, big topics, I think that when you're talking to a coach of young females we have to bring up is when their bodies change and how to make sure that they are, um, walking through puberty and development with a, as healthy of mindset as possible because it is really challenging. And, um, aside from the hormones kind of making you feel all out of whack a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, you slow down a little bit, you might not feel the same when you run. And I'm super curious what kind of conversations you have with your team about this.
1: We focus on healthy lifestyle habits just 100%. Um, We never talk about body type. We never talk about um, this girl looks like a runner, that girl looks Mm. like a runner, she looks fast, that girl doesn't look fast. I mean, that does not work, and it can be very uh, damaging to uh, a developing mind to, to hear those kinds of things. I'm a pretty, pretty strict believer in, you don't talk about weight, you don't talk about body type. Um, You know, they, that's just not going to work at all. There's too much of that pressure for them everywhere else. And I will tell you that if you think that you can pick a fast runner by how they look, uh, you're not going to be very successful if that's what you're banking on for your, your uh, strategy. So um, yeah. And we have, you know, the benefit again of being a longtime coach is you have the benefit of all these stories to tell about what it means to be a good runner. And um, they come in all sizes and shapes and, you know, they, they come with disabilities, physical disabilities. They come with mental Um, challenges it's just uh, you know I think just to focus on what you're trying to teach them and how you're helping them grow it doesn't have anything to do with what they look like so there you go it's big huge strong message I want to get across Um, we just need to get away from this in the sport of running that you have to be a certain type or a certain look to do well and i as much as i can i you know i expose them to to the world of running you know in real life and i think a lot of times if you can show them like an elite race on you know the diamond league or whatever and you see Mm -hmm. that there's like (laughs) there's a foot difference in height between some of them and you know you've got you've got all types of body types out there um competing at the same level so along with that you you help them learn it's not about what you look like that's going to make you fast it's how you train and how you take care of yourself so focusing on the training is really the key
0: and when they are kind of riding that wave of of puberty you know like you see some young girls that are running really fast in like eighth grade, ninth grade. And then, you know, they start getting boobs or whatever it is. And they, they have to ride that wave. And I, I think Lauren talks about in her book, if not her book, Mm -hmm. I remember reading a really good Instagram post or something about this Lauren Fleshman Mm -hmm. about just like how powerful it is to ride that wave. And ultimately you are going to be a stronger runner, but as your body is going through these hormonal changes that are natural in the human body. You might slow down a little bit for a year mm-hmm. or two, but you're going to end up being faster in the long run. Like what do you do when that gets gets to someone's head and they they feel really frustrated?
1: Yeah. <sighs> well, I still I still would approach it to be sure that I understand their feelings about it mm. because Um, Mm -hmm. you know so much goes into how a girl thinks about her body you know Mm. it's it comes from the home it comes from social media it comes from all different um all different avenues and directions and I think that if you sense that your your kid has a frustration about it then then Um, What I am able to do is share with them, you know, kind of my own experience as a runner going through high school and college and my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, and now my (laughs) 60s. Um, I, I do really focus a lot on how they just have to stay with it. If they really love running, they just have to stay with it, and they might not peak until they're you know, a couple of years out of college, and and this is girls not this is girls not necessarily the girls that are running in college. It's just girls who like to run and want to keep running after they graduate high school. And um, yeah, I just always emphasize that that we're trying to we're trying to make them lifelong runners because we kind of think that if they have running in their pocket as uh, a tool. In life, that they're gonna they're gonna be happy, and so um, you know I think when you're we're talking about girls in general who do cross country, and then girls who want to excel, there's you know, or maybe run at the college level, or maybe have um, dreams of being an elite competitive runner. Um, as we know, there's so few of those kids in reality. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you can really you can deal with them on an individual level really, really well if if you can get them to to open up to you about their concerns. But I, I think there's a real problem if you as a coach bring it up as a concern. So just kind of mm-hmm. wait, kind of wait and see how things pan out for the kid. If you notice that they're they're going through a big body change. And um, I'm probably a little unique this way to be both a, a winning coach, um, and and then a coach who develops lifelong runners. I kind of don't really care if they ever become fast runners. It's more yeah. about it's more about them being a member of a team and giving back. And so I mean that's a that's a roundabout way to answer that question because. Um, I believe that if you're focusing on the best interests of the kids and not just always worried about winning, being the best team, being the best program, that if you take care of the kids, those kids who are talented are going to emerge and thrive, and you're going to have good kids. So, um, yeah, I don't. I, I guess don't plant the seed if it doesn't need to be planted. Just don't yeah. talk about. Just don't talk about you know you know you. You know, so-and-so is really awesome because she has 10% body fat. You know, you just go away from that kind of conversation with kids. You just don't even bring it up.
0: Yeah. So you focus on having like the whole body, like the whole healthy lifestyle conversation and then just paying attention to the individuals and making sure like they come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, And you come from a successful running background yourself. So I love that you can take your own unique experiences and as a female athlete and, um, put kind of put yourself in their shoes. That's really mm-hmm. important. And that, I mean, that is one thing that I am not a male hater. I've said this a million times. I have four boys. Like I, I am all about males being coaches and all this, but there is something special and um, important about a female coach who can look you in the eye and know what it's like to have a
1: period and all those things. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I do. I do see that, and um, I think there's also a certain benefit to having the the coach that the the coaches also be a little closer in age to mm. the the girls. But yeah, I mean, I'm my assistant coach Christina is amazing and super intelligent and just awesome with the training and just a huge passionate geek about running and you know those are really important qualities but we are like night and day when it comes to personality I'm like the you know I'm out there trying to make people laugh and teasing people and and you know uh getting on on their on their back if they're goofing around and you know kind of i don't know recognizing them and she's just real quiet but mm-hmm. the 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 amount of trust that the kids have in her as a coach for the like the technical parts um is i mean that's just really that's pretty cool cuz a lot of times they grow kids grow up thinking that females don't have that technical expertise um, that it takes to be a a really great coach, but that is, I mean, we all know there are some women who could coach a pro football team because of their technical skills. And so to have that combination of, you know, not only are you a female, but you're also really smart about the sport is, um, that's really valuable. I mean, it's one thing to just have a male, like I said earlier, it's one thing to just have a male coach there and it's another thing to just have a female coach there. It's it's the other parts of their personality are what make them valuable to the kids, mm. and mm. Um, I think they identify more with um, women who have been runners as well too. I mean, that's probably goes without saying that um, having been through that experience yourself and having the same struggles really really helps helps the girls feel like they can trust you and talk to you about their about things that are bugging them like i had i'm sorry i had a really funny text the other day from one of the girls who she didn't show up for practice and so i huh. texted her and i said hey we miss you. Where are you? And I think it kind of took her by surprise that I reached out to her and wondered where she was and she she wrote back and she she said, "Well, I really do want to come, but we kind of had a big deal at home about it yesterday." And so I just left it at that and I said, "Well, get get to practice and we can talk about it." And um, I walked up to her and I said, so you had a big deal, huh? And she just laughed. And she goes, oh, you would have laughed. We were just going round and round about it and arguing. And my mom told me I have to figure out a way to get get to practice. And if I did that, then I could go. And so, um, yeah, to to be able to recognize uh, how much more girls want to talk about their feelings. Yeah. And have, have another girl there to talk talk with them, I think, um, is, is really useful for the kids.
0: All right. Well, I have to wrap up here with our last question cause I've got this other call. I don't want to, but I do. Um, <laughs> okay. We have to wrap up with, uh, what's your last message to leave with the audience,
1: Lisa? Ah, uh, okay. The best thing you can, the best five words you can say to your, your daughter who is a runner I love watching you run.
0: Mm, I love that. I love watching you run. I love watching you play. I love watching you play yes. basketball. I love watching you play soccer. That is such good advice. Yep. Lisa, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you V.O2 for supporting this episode. Thank you, Lisa, for coming on the podcast. Go to vo to learn more about everything they have to offer. Don't forget, if you're a coach, you can use the code COACHLINDSAY, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, to get 20% off your annual subscription. Uh, to set up a demo or talk to a team member, just email info at v.o2.com to their team, and they will set you up with a demo, and they can answer any kind of questions you might have. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you this Friday with a regular Friday, I'll have another episode. Have a great day, friends.